Hey folks, Season 3 Episode 15 of the AppSec Podcast brings us to an OWASP project entitled AppSensor. Chris speaks with John Melton about what AppSensor is and how it can be used in your application. We hope you enjoy. The Application Security Podcast. Here we go. Hey folks, welcome to this episode of the Application Security Podcast. On this episode, I am flying solo and I'm joined by John Melton. And John is somebody who is very involved in the OWASP AppSensor project. And I realized as I was looking at the OWASP AppSensor project website, I have no idea what this thing does. So I invited John on here to try and enlighten me, and thinking if he can enlighten me, perhaps he can enlighten you. But uh, So John, welcome. We always start with, what's your security origin story? How did you get into the world of security? Sure. Thanks, Chris. Um, yeah, so uh, I originally went to school um, to be... to be a developer. Uh, that's what I thought I was going to be. Um, that was my intention. Um, and just as I was finishing up school, uh, the dot-com bubble burst. <laughs> uh, so that changed my plans a little. I had a job lined up and everything, and, and that job went away because the company went away. Um, and I happened to be taking security as an elective uh, in undergrad, and there there was this program, uh, which still exists for those interested, um, called SFS, Scholarship for Service. Uh, so the government essentially pays, uh, the, the U.S. government pays um, students to go to school, um, and, and the return on that is you get free school, uh, and then you get a guaranteed job when you come out of school, uh, but you have to work for them for, for some amount of time. So um, that's how I got into learning about security, um, and then I went and worked for the government for a few years. Uh, and then just kind of meandered. I went back to pure development work, um, but I was kind of the security guy in our group. Uh, and then I swat, uh, switched over to pure security work. Uh, and I've kind of threaded that needle, um, hanging out in between development and security uh, for the best part of my career. Um, that's kind of the, the niche where I, where I sit and where I feel feel comfortable um so that's that's pretty much how i got started <laughs> yeah and that's uh, that's great to hear and that's that's a good reminder for folks that are perhaps in college or looking at college now that's that sounds like a really awesome program <laughs> guaranteed job and they pay for school yeah. and yeah, then you get that deal. you get that experience that'll uh, kind of take you to to that second job and on into your career so now i, I gotta ask this I'm, I'm just really curious so you said you took security as an elective yep what did they teach you I'm going to guess you and I are probably about the same age, probably in the same ballpark. So yep. I'm just I'm dying to know what they taught you <laughs> at that point as an elective in security. Yeah, it was uh, the the person who taught it was a cryptographer, um, and he was actually fairly well known, highly ranked cryptographer. Um, and so we we essentially, if if memory serves, the midterm was writing out um, a certain number of rounds of DES on paper. Uh, with pencil and paper, so that was that was kind of the the world it was. There was a high level introduction to you know I came out of the class hearing the words 
you know, the CIA triad, I had that in my tool belt. Uh, and then I knew a bunch of arcane facts about certain cryptographic primitives. Um, but there, there was not much applied security in any way, shape or form. Okay. Yeah. And there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of applied security at that point other sure, than deep sure. inside the the walls of the government. But isn't it funny how everything always starts and finishes with the CIA triad? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We can't get yeah. rid of that thing, but uh, I, I was right. telling a class, I was teaching a class a week or two ago, and I was like, okay, uh, I, you know, I, I'm going to introduce this concept to you. You already know it all the way, and <laughs> but just remember, when in doubt, you can always fall back on this concept. If somebody that's is saying, right. that's stupid, I don't have to do it, you can right. always fall back on one of those sides of the triangle and go, well, you know what? If you don't do that, here's what's going to happen, and right. I told you yep. so. so. Good old CIA triad. We should make a t- oh, there's got to be a T-shirt with it on it. If not, we should create one here at the podcast and, and sell go. that. So, all right, let's talk about AppSensor. So let's let's dive right in and just just tell me tell me what is AppSensor? Sure. So that that turns out to be one of the uh, one of the more difficult questions uh, to answer for for most people. So AppSensor is a project um, with OWASP, the Open Web, Web Application Security Project, um, and it is it, it it's an odd project in that it essentially has two components. Uh, most projects within OWASP are are one thing, right? They are a tool, yep. or they're a documentation effort, or you know something along those lines. So so this one turns out to be two things. This one is a documentation effort. Um, and it's also a a reference implementation of that idea, right? So I like to generally tell people the idea is the most important thing. Um, even though I'm the one that works on the tool primarily, the idea is the most important thing. And then there's a reference implementation. So so the idea is essentially. Um, it, it, it's kind of trying to bring the operational aspect of security back into the application security um, realm. So most application developers, um, the, their familiarity with, with security probably does not extend much beyond the OWASP top 10, if at all. Yep. Um, however, th- there's a whole bunch of things that they naturally do as part of software development that they that they understand very well, right? Exception handling is something that everybody has to do. Um, building functional requirements out into your systems um, is something that they understand very well. Um, and and in most agile shops, at least, um, we have this concept of use cases. Uh, and in many shops, there's also this idea of abuse cases. How could somebody abuse the systems? And that's really the sweet spot for app sensors. So the notion is, if I'm doing something in the system, I've, I've built this happy path through my system, which is how I expect users to use the system. Well, there's always the, the attacker route, right? There's always the path <laughs> that is less traveled, right? Yep. Somebody, either, an, either a benign end user accidentally goes down the wrong route or an attacker purposefully goes down the wrong route. Um, either way, there actually turns out to be a lot of things that we could prevent if we just thought about those exceptions and handled them appropriately. Um, so the canonical example I always give is, um, let's say you're you're building a banking application, right? You log into online banking and you see your your checking account and your savings account and and maybe you have you know a money market account or something. You have a few accounts and you get that master list. Um, well, if I go and click into my checking account to see more detail, 
um, logically what's going on behind the scenes is I'm, I'm clicking on something. The, the application presented me with three accounts, and those are identified by individual um, so, some form of an identifier. Uh, it may be a database key. It may be a GUID, something like that. I click on that, and it takes me to more detail. Well, that's an access control issue, right? Mm-hmm. I have to go in and view that data. In order to view that data, I need to have access. So when I view my master account, the, the system is presenting that data. When I go into view detail around, around that one record, I am telling the system, I want to view this particular piece of data. And so that's a classic indirect object reference bug where people forget to do that, to do that access control and they assume that if, you, if, you've, got, if you've asked me for something, I'm going to hand it back to you, right? It's a Select from database where this is the ID, uh, and that can get you into trouble. Yep. Well, hopefully, most banking systems now prevent that. They do an access control check, and they they what do they do? If it's Happy Path, they'll let you see your data. If it's not Happy Path, what do you do as a developer? You 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 might log something. You might send an exception to the end user that says you don't have access. AppSensor says go one step further. Send that exception just say hey something something strange happened here the the end user did this and they they did this activity that they shouldn't have done right um and that that data gets sent off you could think of it as kind of this centralized logging system it gets sent to this system and and i'll talk a little more about what that system is in a, in a second um but it, it kind of shunts it off to the side um and you can think of m- th- uh, hundreds probably of examples of of different cases where um, okay, maybe you're building a wizard and somebody jumps to step four instead of going one, two, three, four. You could think of forced browsing where people are trying to find, you know, um, well-known paths on your system, right? Lots of things that attackers do or that that accidental end users do. Um, all of that data is going to get fed. If you think about it, all that data from your system is now going to get fed into this separate system. And what that system is doing, what the core of AppSensor is doing is it's basically keeping track of that data, it's storing it, and it allows you to apply rules to those, um, what we call events that are coming into the system. And you can then specify, okay, if somebody, if an end user sends me 10 of this type of event, if the system notifies me that an end user has, has done 10 of these things in five minutes, I'm going to assume that that's no longer accidental. That's purposeful. So now I've got a rule somewhere in my system that says if I have 10 of these events in five minutes by the same end user, I am going to do this thing now, right? And so it, it AppSensor has three core components, events, attacks, and responses. Events are suspicious things, right? They may or may not be real events they may be accidental or you know whatever um attacks are i've determined that this series of events now has has (laughs) i have a rule somewhere that says this series of events i'm now going to view them as an attack Um, and that attack you then have options for what kind of responses you can make so you could maybe you know um, email someone, you could page somebody, you could do things like block the end user, you could lock their account or log them out, you could um, you know, slow down traffic. And so we have, a, we have a significant amount of types of events you might want to look for, responses you might want to do, and those are all listed as part of the documentation effort. And then the reference implementation builds out some of those. But that's the core of AppSensor. I want to I want to use the the business knowledge around my system 
to detect um, fundamental usage uh, that is not in normal behavior for the system. So, AppSensor tends to look, a lot of people, if you squint your eye, you might see it as like a fraud detection system. Okay. Um, and and But it, it, it doesn't come with those sets of canned rules. It's a, it's a generic system for detecting behavioral abnormalities and then being able to respond to them. So on the, on the response side, you're still inside the application, though. So you're not, you, you don't, so when you're blocking the end user, so you don't, you, like, you, do, you, do you have the ability to block out to like your Apache web server or something? And, and say, just block all traffic from this IP address, or is this still happening within the application itself? Sure. So um, there are options, essentially. So AppSensor itself is a separate standalone component. There's something we call the AppSensor server. Um, and then you can have any number of clients to that server. Um, the server can be set up to be spoken to over a number of different integration points. You know, there's a REST API, SOAP API, there's um, message queuing capabilities. There's a number of different ways to talk to it. Um, and then there's there's essentially integration points. Uh, so we don't, out of the box, provide a ton of integration points. The, the main one that I've tried to focus on is spring security uh, because it is so prevalent within, you know, kind of the people that end up using our application. Um, Spring Security is fairly popular, and it's an easy way to integrate. Uh, Ryan Barnett, who I believe it is, is at Akamai now, um, back when he was at Trustwave, he was responsible for Mod Security WAF. And so he did some work to integrate AppSensor there, um, and there's blog posts that are public about that. Um, so if you if you dig a little, you could find it. But essentially, he did what you're asking, right? Like So he, he took the responses out of AppSensor and plugged them back in as rules into his WAF um, and was able to block them at the edge. We have a project called the um, AppSensor uh, I think it's reverse proxy, um, and it's a small little Go layer that will let you do that type of thing, right? Um, there, just just to be uh, honest, there is always a little bit of integration work, right, in okay. pulling that in. Um, but it is possible, and we do have people that use it in that way. Um, you can even um, – he, he, another thing that he did was – he, he the things that app that you might want to send to app sensor um, are often at least the way we discuss them are often in the application so you're sitting inside the application layer and you want to refer to the you know you want to get that level of knowledge out um, but there may be things that you want to detect that your WAF can do for you, right? Yep. So why not put that up at that layer? So he also did an integration there uh, again the reverse proxy has a few um, implementations there of what we call detection points, the notion being this is something that I want to detect and respond to. So the reverse proxy itself has some of those can and built in, um, but you could easily write those rules into your WAF if you so decided or into your um, Apache or Nginx uh, if, if you desired. And then you might even, for instance, for him, for the WAF, they could do everything in line there and they could collect that data. So he wasn't actually sending me events. He was sending me attacks. So the WAF had determined it was an attack and he just would send the attack as opposed to sending all the individual events. Um, so you have some options there um, for integration uh, and and we have people <laughs> who use the project in a number of different ways. It is pretty flexible, um, but you know you pay a little bit for that flexibility with some integration effort. Yeah. So you mentioned Spring, so that that leads me to 
thinking this is Java. Is is this only for Java? Does what, what about .NET and some of the other languages? Is this is this? Am I tied to only Java platform, or what am I? What can I work with? <laughs> right. So I'm gonna, I'm going to give you a 30 second uh, history um, because it's somewhat relevant, and and we do have people ask this question a lot. Um, there was a at one point in time there was an AppSensor version one. AppSensor version one was when I first started on the project. Uh, Michael Coates, the founder of the project, um, pulled me in fairly early. And AppSensor version one was actually a drop-in replacement for the intrusion detector component in ESAPI. So ESAPI had a built-in intrusion detector, and AppSensor in its first uh, incarnation was a drop-in replacement for that, meaning that, yes, you were restricted to Java, and you had to be using ESAPI in order to use AppSensor. That is no longer the case and has not been the case for several years, although people still, for some reason, think that's true. Um, AppSensor version 2, which is the only supported version um, and has been for three or four years now, um, you, it is written in Java, but you, you know, it's, a, it's a separate component to the application. You can um, talk to AppSensor using anything that you want to. Um, you can, we, we have a couple of uh, clients that we've, we have generated um, for, um, I believe it's Python and maybe C Sharp we have generated or maybe Ruby. Um, but it's fairly easy to generate a client if you want. But the APIs that we expose are, are pretty minimal, um, so it's not too terribly difficult uh, to integrate with any tool, you know, a couple days effort to write the client. Um, and so, and, and again, we have integrations of a number of different uh, mechanisms from uh, Thrift to uh you know, there's the standard REST API, which is what most people end up most people end up using either REST or Kafka. Those are our two integrations that get used the most heavily. Um, but there's also MQ and Rabbit and uh, SOAP API and Thrift and there's a number of them. Um, so you have options. Uh, and if you if you have an option that we don't support, we're always happy to accept <laughs> pull requests or even you know work with you to get that support added if it if it's needed. Okay, uh, that's how several of our integrations got written. Somebody came in and said, "Hey, we need this," and and we went around and and built that out. Okay, very cool. So now I'm going to ask you what I think is the million dollar question here. Uh huh. <laughs> so in application security, now we are the the owners of four-letter acronyms for all kinds of different tools. And you might know where I'm going here, but is there? A, does this thing, does this app sensor thing fit into any of the nice, neat, orderly buckets we have in AppSec, meaning static application security testing, dynamic, right. interactive application security testing, runtime application self-protection, uh, I know it's not software composition analysis, but uh, right. d- does it fit into one of these other four cleanly, messily, or not at all? Um, m- slightly messily, I guess you would say. Um, it is most closely aligned to runtime security protection. Okay. Um, however, most RASP tools uh, that I'm aware of, um, whether vendor or any open source ones I've ever heard of, they go in with the notion that I'm going to protect you from these canned sets of things, yep. right? Um, and that's the the whole idea behind RASP is I'm preventing this set of things. Um, AppSensor you might think of as a generic RASP in that 
you get some of the same <laughs> the, you get some of the plumbing of rasp is okay. probably the way to refer to it and then you write the detections right um, but you're going to solve a different class of problems most likely so we do have people who use the application who who front their app i'm sorry use the the tool the library who front their application with a commercial rasp and then they come back and they do app sensor in addition um, and the, the the notion there is that you're going to solve a different class of problems. So RASPs are going to solve your, your – they're going to aim to solve your XSS, your SQL injection, right? And while you could solve that problem with AppSensor if you wanted, AppSensor, its, it's bread and butter is in business logic issues. Okay. So a RASP is going to have a very hard time determining from that original banking example I gave. They're going to have a very hard time determining that – one two three four belongs to you, and one two three five does not. Right? Yep. Um, that's a hard, fundamentally hard problem to solve when you don't live in the application and you don't have access to the data set. Um, there's there's some companies that claim they can do that with learning and that kind of thing. I, I've never seen one that actually worked, and I've I've baked a lot of them off. So, but AppSensor, you know that that idea is really simple. There, um, you do have to do more work. To include it in your application, it's not a it's not a turnkey. You set this in a in a bread in a pizza box right in front of your app, but you do get a lot of benefit from that. You can detect higher level business process um, flows and deviations from those flows more effectively with AppSense, and that's what most of the people uh, that are using the product they are the same types they're in the same verticals that are doing things like fraud detection you know account abuse those types of things people who are uh, doing these types of things um, I I'll briefly mention a, um, uh, a I guess you could m mention as a side competitor <laughs> to app sensor um, but we're we're both open source so I don't view that as competition in any way shape or form uh, Aaron Bedra when he was at Groupon, he wrote a tool called RepSheet, um, and it's kind of got some of the same notions, but he built it to solve a slightly different um, type of problem. And so, he, again, he was looking at, at Groupon was trying to solve the carding problem on okay. their site. And so you might use it for, for those types of problems, too. So, um, yeah, we, we it, it's RASP-like, but it's more like you've got the plumbing for a RASP, and you kind of build the end detections. Okay, and so – and you have the – so you, you were talking about how there's the rules engine and the and the rules are going to translate the events into the attacks, which can then ultimately be responded to. Um, yep. How how thorough is that rule? I mean, does that rule engine have things for like SQL injection and cross-site scripting that come out of the box at all, or is that not even something that's in the default? No, there's no there's no default canned rules. What the rule engine does, and there's there's kind of two pieces to the rule engine. Um, the rule engine just basically says you are going to notify me when an event comes up, and you tag that event with an ID. All the all the app sensor really knows is you throw a bunch of metadata at app sensor. A bit of that metadata is um, the you know the timestamp when this event occurred, the ID of this event, and then you come in and write rules that say if I see, you know, thirty ABC two four five type events <laughs> in in five minutes. I'm going to respond in this way. So AppSensor really is is very generic in that it doesn't have canned implementations built, except, like I said, for the caveat that the reverse proxy does implement a few of these out of the box, um, and, and it does have the code 
that you know but then there's the additional i have to deploy a, a reverse proxy in front of my app but the the notion is that um, you would tag your events and then you would write rules that are associated with those tags. Um, and AppSensor just does the tracking on the back end and data storage and handles generating responses and that kind of thing. So, um, so that, that was there, the integration you were talking about. So yes. but when somebody's going to spend some number of days deploying this thing, it's going to be figuring out what it, where, where are the potential rules, right. where the potential events could fire that could result in something bad happening. Yeah, and and to to what I know you've talked about a lot on on here, uh, threat modeling. This is where I get the most bang for the buck um, when I'm working with people on AppSensor. When we're doing it where I work, um, when we go through the threat modeling process, we look at events, and I mean that's that's what threat modeling is, right? Like we're looking for places where this might get abused. Um, when you're doing design reviews, when you're doing architectural reviews, there's lots of um, there's lots of opportunities for baking this into your platform. Um, and, you know, that's going to look a little different at every company, but there's lots of opportunities. Once you explain to developers, think about exceptional conditions in your code. I, I tend to tell developers, map your exceptions to possible app sensor events. Some set of your exceptions are going to be app sensor events. And that's a really easy you know, mapping for them to do. When I hit an exception, is this something that security might care about? Yes or no? If yes, part of my exception, and, and you can uh, when you, you know, one thing we've had success with, we, we in the constructor of our exceptions, of our custom exceptions, we'll put app sensor signaling in the, cus in the um, constructor of our exception. So when you generate that exception, app sensors automatically notified. And that's something that now your architecture or design team can put in place and your developer just knows they're launching launching an exception and under the covers that's taken place. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there's, there's some kind of uh, points in your code where you're going to want to have that happen, but that's really a conversation about your specific business application. And so that's where app sensor uh, causes more work, but also generates more value, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then to clarify on the rule system, um, the original system we built was very straightforward, very static. It was um, if you see X number of events in Y time frame, then perform Z response. That was really the core of the system. Uh, we actually had a student come through and do this as part of his master's uh, thesis, and he wrote a very, very significant amount of code um, to produce. His name was David Scribonia. He did an excellent job. He, he added support for Boolean logic in our rule system. So now you can compose these complex rules. If this is true and this one but not that one, then I want to do this thing, right? So you can compose these rules kind of arbitrarily now, and AppSensor will still do that processing. So you can build some very, very interesting combinations um, and, and get pretty precise at this point. Mm -hmm. So I guess my final question then is, let's for somebody who's brand new to this and they're, they're just learning about AppSensor by listening to our conversation here, how do you sure. recommend they get started? Because, I mean, this seems like it could be, it could be overwhelming, if yep. if I tried to think about how I'm going to do all this stuff, what are yep. what are a couple things somebody can do to just start with this process and kind of get into it and get a little feel for what's going to happen with AppSensor? 
Sure. So we have, if you go to the App Sensor Project in GitHub, there is a demo setup. Um, so that's really easy. It's a it's a few Docker containers you spin up, um, and that'll give you a little UI to play with. And you can kind of see the type of data we're talking about generating. That'll that'll make it a little more concrete. And that's you know, a few minutes worth of work. Um, beyond that, I think. Uh, most of the people that come and ask about AppSensor or use AppSensor that I've interacted with, um, they've already gone down the path of centralized logging. Okay. So if, if you're doing that, um, you may be ready for AppSensor. If you're not doing that, I would probably uh, aim more towards start there and then then move beyond that. And then I think um, you know setting up AppSensor. Uh, do it as a proof of concept, and then add one exception and see what kind of data you generate. Look for the obvious thing, right? Uh, look for the thing in your application that is kind of obvious, and then do it in your test environment and, and let your testers kind of bang on it and see what happens. Um, it'll generate some data, and, and most people initially write their rules, and then there's a there's some tuning that goes on, right? They, they kind of go, oh, I thought it would have been this way. Um, we had a lot of that. We, we had people who thought, well, we're going to see this for ten minutes, and and they or you know ten times in a minute, and they saw it five hundred times in a minute, or you know whatever. <laughs> it's usually yeah. it's usually frightening to developers. So I would say you know uh, try out one thing, try out two things. You get benefit from that, and then don't try to do responses. Is the last thing I would say. First, don't try to do complex responses. Do logging responses. Do um, notifications, and you know start. And start review, reviewing your logs and seeing what kind of data you're getting before you try to go in and block users and, and do that kind of thing. Just start with <laughs> log and, and go read your logs. Um, and, and I think you know most of the people that I've talked to who are using the system, they have learned a tremendous amount about how their system operates in production, and it's given them a lot of data. So even if you never turn on responses, you can learn and characterize your system better um, and understand how people are using and abusing your system. Yeah. Awesome. Well, John, thanks for taking the time to explain this to me and to our entire listening audience. I think uh, th this is going to give folks a good idea of what AppSensor is and how they could use it. And my hope is that some people are going to go out, download this thing, integrate it, and start applying it into their application space. So once again, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Application Security Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please do us a favor and visit the iTunes store and give us a five-star rating. Our intro music is 8-Bit Kung Fu by Bourne and TJ, and the outro is Southern Delight by Stefan Kartenberg. You can find us on Twitter at AppSecPodcast or on the web at www.appsecpodcast.org.